Now, there are likely several components on your Jeep that you take for granted. Now, I'm sure there are those out there who are so detail-oriented that they are regularly polishing their shock shafts. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. So, Wendy, you've been here for a couple of months. Uh, do you believe it whenever... <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> Just a few months. Do you do you believe it when we say uh, anybody can be <clears throat> interviewed on the show because everybody has a, a Jeep yes. story to tell? Everybody has a story, absolutely. Uh, I just want to say that we uh, we interviewed uh, Isaac, uh, the the one and only Isaac ninety uh, five YJ that uh, is in our Zoom room, and and he's there every week. We ha- we have him on this episode, and uh, it was a it was a very interesting interview. And I bet you guys don't know that uh, Isaac does some really clever uh, woodworking with uh, the computer and uh, all kinds of stuff. So he actually... uh, I do know this. I only found this out recently, however, and I'm sure that he's just going to love the picture of him that I found on the internet uh, that I'm using for uh, (laughs) top of the show notes. Let that be a lesson to you. There you go. (laughs) Make sure you got some good pictures of yourself online. That's right. So uh, that uh, that interview coming up, really looking forward to it. I love having to uh, be able to, to uh, talk at uh, just one-on-one with our Zoom people. We really do enjoy hearing from you guys. So voicemails, uh, reviews, anything that you'd like to do, it, it really warms our heart. Solicit dick pics, whatever. You know, <laughs> Richard Nixon is kind of an old reference, uh, Josh. Yes. So the JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that's also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com. So this is kind of funny. Uh, we we don't get a lot of hits on our website, and I don't consider that to be unusual because the show is the thing that you know most people uh, absorb. And yeah, and they don't absolutely. they don't go over there. It's one of the reasons why we have the glossary terms. One of the reasons why we have extensive show notes and images and stuff up on the the site to make it more enticing for you to go to jeeptalkshow.com and and, and check it out. Well, I found a way to get more people to the site. So I commented on our Discord server, which is another way you can interact with us uh, out there. Uh, I commented on the Discord server, actually posted a picture of us having four people on the website at one time. Whoa, big spender coming through. Oh, yeah. boy. And it, it was like a picture of the United States, and it had circles where they were located around, you know, oh, around the United yeah. States. So I put that up there, and then another one pops up. And another one pops up. It's the people from the Discord server. Oh, let me see if I can, you know, I want to see myself on the map. I think it's, oh my gosh. at one point we had uh, seven or eight uh, simultaneous users. Not doing a damn we, thing, just waiting for the picture. We need to have all 50 of those filled <laughs> up, guys. Just waiting for the picture to show up <laughs> on the, in the Discord server. How funny. <laughs> well, how are we doing, Jeeper? I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I'll be talking about the continuing chip shortage and how it's affecting Jeep. We'll be looking at what Jeeps may have been stolen from an assembly plant and why Jeep may be trying to cover it up. And later, we'll get into some driveline troubleshooting and some maintenance tips as well. Well, howdy, it's Wendy. And have you checked out Newbie Nuggets on our Friday episodes? Well, you should. There's all kinds of topics. You never know what I'm going to talk about. Isn't that cool just to say on our Friday episode? Because that means yes. there's more than one days there's of episode. Than, yes, there's two. It's like, a, a, it's like a real show. Man. It's <laughs> so cool. So uh, I'm going to interview uh, uh, Isaac, one of our illustrious Zoom members, uh, about the Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive coming up later in this episode. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And Detroit is facing a glut of auto plant shutdowns as the chip shortage rages on. Ford idled one of its plants for the second straight week, but we could really care less. The Belvedere Assembly Plant plant in Illinois will also be shut down this week, though, and that does suck. The Stellantis NV plant that employs nearly 2,000 people west of Chicago had its fair share of issues in 2021, though. 
production was halted for much of that year, and CEO Carlos Tavares had uh, has said that he doesn't expect to see many large improvements in the calendar year of 2022. Stellantis, Jeep's parent company, has stuck to the standard mantra that they are working closely with suppliers to mitigate supply chain issues. So, is the grocery store to get Twinkies due? You know, they're joining the crowd. You know, I mean, pretty much everybody is uh, in this kind mm -hmm. of situation. So, exactly. I'm tired of, hearing, tired of hearing the we're working closely with suppliers to mitigate supply chain issues. It's like that's a bumper sticker now almost. Now, what we need are answers and not more smoke. The workers need shifts, and shifts are constantly being canceled or shortened because of one missing part. Following pandemic-induced shutdowns and amid high demand for new vehicles, there's been a rather insufficient capacity for the production of semiconductors needed in vehicles for things like driving safety features, emissions controls, and amenities such as infotainment and heated seats. You know what I say to that? Bring back the base model. No power seats. Crank windows, no AC even, and forget all those fancy emissions nonsense. Slap a carb on top of that motor and let's get some units sold. Now, according to some reports, the automaker, uh, rather the automotive industry, has lost 8.2 million units of vehicle production just in the calendar year of 2021 due to the semiconductor shortage and other supply chain and labor constraint issues. Pretty soon, thieves are going to say the hell with uh, catalytic converters. Let's go for the chips. Yeah, right. Well, so I'm actually going to expand on that a little bit here in just a minute, Tony. It's funny you mentioned that, but uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys uh, talk about this. So with all the shortages and the, quote, supply chain issues, is that yeah. kind of why the prices of vehicles have gone skyrocketed? It is pretty much just simple economics, you know, the mm -hmm. laws of supply and demand. When Correct. supply goes goes down, you know, the, the, the price goes up. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where... Uh, part of it is market, uh, and but also, also some of it is market demand. Um, there has been a large demand over the last couple of years for uh, for new cars. Part of that is, well, the government was paying you to stay home and not work, and a lot of people had a lot of extra money, uh, and they were wanting to upgrade their daily drivers, and uh, and well, there just hasn't been the inventory for that. Uh, so it's it's been a perfect storm of, of events, both a a larger unprecedented demand than ever before and an unprecedented unprecedented lack of inventory. Uh, and it creates this perfect storm of events and high prices. And that's why we've seen the used car market go up substantially and why right. most of our Jeeps are now worth 30% more than what they were yeah. just a couple years ago. Exactly. So when it will all end, uh, speculators are saying probably not this year, uh, although I would imagine sometime in the later part of the fourth quarter, we should start to see things start to come around to uh, be a little bit more normal, if you will. Uh, again, it's all speculation. So when do we consider modifications to be too much? And at what point do too many modifications make that vehicle no longer a Jeep? Brian Foraker is the man behind what used to be a Jeep Wrangler. We never really find out what year the Jeep was, and about the only thing left on this thing that is even close to Jeep, I think, is maybe the cowl. And even that is in question. <laughs> the man has created what he calls a mule, and it can be transformed into whatever role he needs this automotive machine to be. A drag car? Sure, no problem. Hill climb racer? Absolutely. Insane track monster? You betcha. More money in engineering went into this thing than a NASCAR-level race machine. Okay, well, maybe not quite, but probably pretty close. The sensors have sensors, if that tells you anything. No, literally. I mean, the shocks even have sensors to tell you that the pressure uh, inside each one, you know, what they're doing. There's enough data and telemetry coming off this thing that it rivals many professional race teams in higher circuits. And speaking of suspension, it's completely custom. A full cantilevered, one-of-a-kind system in the rear and the front very much resembles something you'd see in the front of a Formula One-style race car. The engine boasts over 1,200 horsepower, and it has over 900 pound-feet of torque. And no, we don't get to see what the power plant is either. It does, however, have a pair of twin turbos that rise above everything else in the engine bay, and they're not small. These are big turbos. The Jeep, or whatever it can be called now, it, it can definitely get the job done, no question. It is an interesting feat of engineering and an example of what severe over-molestation of your Jeep can lead to. <laughs> now, it's still worth a watch, though, uh, for this video. Uh, you can actually hear this thing and see it for yourself. 
uh, as they do some dyno pulls uh, with this one hell of a machine. We'll have a link to the YouTube video in the show notes for this episode at JeepTalkShow.com so you can check it out yourself. And trust me, it's worth a watch. I know virtually nothing about turbos other than it uh, forces uh, recycled uh, exhaust in, back into the engine, giving it uh, you know more airflow. Um, but don't you want to keep those things from sucking stuff up? Uh, debris, as I like to call it. Yeah, you would think that those uh, that those turbos would be um, you know put out of harm's way, uh, if you will. Honestly, I think anything short of a bird <laughs> flying into one of those things. <laughs> Uh, is going to do any damage. You know, you've heard the term bird strike before. I think that's kind of in the neighborhood of what we're talking about here. Uh, a small pebble, some track debris, a piece of uh, tire rubber or something like that. I don't think these things are really going to blink an eye at something like that. But you're right, Tony. Ordinarily, you'd want clean air being uh, forced and you know, com- compacted and forced into the engine like what a turbo does. Uh, and But these, not so much. They are, however, way up out of the way. Uh, and there is a massive intercooler uh, in the plumbing of all this thing, which I think is in the rear of the vehicle, actually. Uh, but, uh, yeah, these things, uh, they don't really care. They're, they're putting out so much PSI. There was, there was actually, I, I, re- I was reading in, in some of the, the specs that they did release on this thing, that the amount of boost that is measured on this engine is measured in tons, not PSI. Oh. <sighs> I calculated it out to somewhere around the neighborhood of 60,000 PSI of boost. Whoa. Interesting. That these things are, are, are putting out, uh, which, I, you know, again, I'm going off of what they were, you know, what they were, uh, uh, the numbers they were putting out uh, and then using the, the conversion from T-O-N-N-E-S, tons, to PSI. Uh, and, and, it, and that's what the math gave me was right around the neighborhood of 60,000 PSI of boost. And, and sadly, a Tesla can still outperform it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, the, the power to weight ratio on this thing has got to be pretty incredible because it is pretty much all tube frame and aluminum. Yeah. Um, there is obviously steel in a lot of the suspension and steering components uh, and, of course, the frame as well. Uh, but most of the um, body, if you will, is clad in, in aluminum sheeting. There's not much to it. It is an, an open wheel race car if you're going to describe this thing as pretty much anything at all. Uh, and I would say the top of this quote unquote Jeep sits only about four and a half, five feet off the ground. Yeah, I'd say so. Very, very you, low center of gravity. But, but think about this. You actually covered everything that you see that's open with what looks like a Jeep. Let's say they thought maybe it was cut down a little bit, maybe a little bit smaller, and you show up at the drags. To, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and, and no one knows what's inside. Can you imagine how cool that would be to watch? Well, actually, I, awesome. I, in, in digging around the interwebs for, for various news stories this week, I actually stumbled across a story about a, a guy who uh, crammed an entire Tesla drivetrain, including the motors and, and batteries, into a Jeep TJ. Uh, and oh. I recently um, grabbed this nope. information uh, from that, what I could, and uh, and sent that over to uh, to our behind-the-scenes help with uh, Chris from 7 uh to possibly get that that this individual who created this thing um, on the on the show for an interview. That so yeah, awesome. an actual an actual Tesla YJ, or I mean, I'm wow. sorry, TJ rather. Uh, so very interesting story, completely unrelated to this. But Tony mentioned Tesla and this Jeep, and I it, I was like, oh yeah. By the way, we might actually have something about Tesla and Jeep here well, on the show. We have all kinds of things going on in the background, folks. And uh, yeah, so it takes a team. Cool. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I thought this was another interesting story as well. Uh, and possible uh, a possible cover-up uh, from, from Jeep as well. And the question is, is did $100,000, uh, you know, $100,000 Grand Wagoneers get stolen from the assembly plant that they're being made at? That is the question being proposed right now as a string of thefts have plagued multiple Stellantis plants in recent weeks. In some cases, thieves are targeting high-end models that sell for up to $100,000 and beyond, and remarkably, it's happening at places where security is rather prominent. Hmm. In a public statement, Stellantis says, quote, We are working with the Sterling Heights Police Department regarding the theft of several vehicles early Tuesday morning from a shipping yard that services the Sterling Heights assembly plant managed by a third party. As this is an open investigation, the company is not commenting on any further on what vehicles were stolen or how they were stolen. But we don't know which Jeeps were stolen, how many, or even how they got away. 
But what we do know is that on March 3rd, an undisclosed number of Hellcat wide-body chargers were stolen from a lot in Auburn Hills. Before that, on February 28th, the Jefferson North Assembly Plant in Detroit got hit, this time for a $90,000 Trackhawk Jeep Grand Cherokee and a Hellcat Challenger. And on March 10th, just a week ago from the time we record this, at the Sterling Heights Assembly Plant, four top-of-the-line Ram TRX pickup trucks were stolen and driven through a smashed gate, one losing control and smashing into the side of a semi-truck trailer. Now, clearly, these thieves know the plant's schedules, have timed the guards, and are familiar with the facilities enough to know both the ingress and egress points where security overlap is the weakest. To me, this this just screams organized crime all over it. This is clearly a team. Now, I won't go so far as to say a syndicate, but, you know, they got reliable intel more than likely. Likely paid for uh, this intel and obtained this intel through employees, former or current, and they've got plenty of muscle for operational execution of what is clearly a well-planned heist. Now, no coincidence that these, that these vehicles are some of Stellantis' highest value targets. And now, with reports of six bigger vehicles uh, leaving the lot, one has to presume that these are brand new Grand Wagoneers getting lifted. Jeep doesn't have very many six-figure Jeeps that roll off the line that are worth that kind of money. And with the chip shortage still affecting every automaker, Jeep, nor its parent company Stellantis, can really afford to lose any of their most chip-heavy rigs to theft in a time like this. So, I have a question for you, Josh, and maybe I just don't know, but... So, normally when cars are stolen, they're used to, you know, maybe chop, right? Take them apart. The, sure. They're not going to steal $100,000, $90,000 vehicles to chop them up. They're obviously sending them somewhere, I'm assuming, outside the country, because how That's, could you do that in yeah. this country with yeah. all of the chips and all of the technology and everything that is on these vehicles now? Can't they track them? I mean, it sounds to me like... If you're going to have a hundred thousand dollar vehicle wouldn't you have some sort of like a low jack already on board to be able to find these things well probably not but i mean even something as as much as like uh the airbag that's installed in the steering wheel is going to have a serial number that is going to be associated with that particular vin or that particular right. vehicle and the they know what components went into what vehicles and and so if a component shows up and say wow this is an airbag out of a 2022 grand wagoneer this is pretty rare and uh, pretty new. Why is it out of the vehicle and why are you trying to pawn it? You know, and, and so there's going to be some questions, you know, those kind of situations are, are, are going to go through some back channels. They're going to see that, oh yeah, this came from one of these stolen vehicles that uh, is it's currently under investigation. Uh, excuse me, sir, why don't you stay right there for a moment? So yeah. Yeah, this is... I, I think you're onto something, though, with the international uh, thing. I mean, because mm-hmm. how easy would I these would things agree. to just, you know, drive right into a into a Connex trailer? Uh, yep, tra- shipping container. On, yep, yep, and that trailer get loaded, or that container get loaded onto a, onto a boat and off to Abu Dhabi. You know, so I mean, who knows what's happening or where these things are going? Now, what is kind of common throughout a lot of these are big motors. Mm-hmm. So that is one thing that could be done. And they could pull out the seats. Those probably don't have serial numbers all on, the, on them. Um, you know, there are other things, door panels and, and stuff like that, that might be able to be uh, to be you know uh, cut up and and or you know uh, kind of chopped and, and sold on the black market, as you will. But I mean, a brand spanking new Hellcat motor that's going to be in high demand anywhere in the U.S. Anywhere, somebody, yeah. going to be looking to drop that in their truck, in their buggy. Whatever it may be, in their jeep, in their jeep, <laughs> and in their kidding. jeep, you're right, hundred percent. So right you know, here, big bear, just drop it off. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of options, you know, for where this stuff could be going. Right? Nobody knows what's happening to this. Uh, they did catch one person uh, in that truck heist who uh, wrecked that that truck into a semi, uh, but uh, that person's not talking, and and we're not uh, really finding anything out uh, through them. Obviously, these ongoing investigation. They're not going to be releasing any information on this until everything is all wrapped up. So some interesting stuff that's happening, though. I mean, it's all happening in broad daylight. Uh, it's very, very brazen types of, uh, of thefts going on right out from the assembly plants and, uh, and in, in, in areas where they have high security, nonetheless. So I mean, this is, this is some of the kind of stuff that uh, I think, uh, you know, a new series of, uh, of uh, Fast and the Furious movies are going to be made out of. Gone in 60 minutes. How about that one? That would be <laughs> that good. Six, I don't know. 60 minutes. 
Well, if you've got a news tip response to any one of our stories, I would really like to hear what you have to say to our news segments. Uh, anything that you have to comment on, whether it's uh, something that you heard just now or something from a previous episode, uh, by all means, reach out to us and let us know what you have to say. And you can do that by heading over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Uh, that's the one link that you need to remember. Uh, you head there and you can find out all kinds of different ways to reach out and interact with the show. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, driveline troubleshooting and maintenance. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show has been my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast. been a lifelong Jeeper myself. Continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, advice, and learning. You are correct, Chris. Uh, I can't say uh, enough about that. And if, you, uh, if you're not already aware, we're having another uh, Jeep Talk Show Texas event, off-roading event, coming up in June, June 4th. And uh, if you would like to help chip in and support us to getting out there and meeting our listeners, you may not be able to come. You're certainly invited, uh, but you can, uh, you can chip in and help us, uh, I don't know, uh, buy food, buy stickers, just uh, have a good time out there for the folks that can come out and uh, live vicariously through our social media posts. Uh, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, scroll on down and look at the uh, various paid subscriptions that uh, you can select. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and I'd like to apologize for last week's joke. Uh, not even Josh groaned, so you know it's bad. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that when Wendy uh, mentioned aliens, my ears kind of perked up a little bit. I, I figured I was that. disappointed when I found out that she wasn't talking about that kind of alien. <laughs> no, not the fence kind, climbing kind of alien. The probing kind of aliens. <laughs> They're my favorite people, next to Indians. No, not the 7-Eleven owning kind, but the ones that go, woo, 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 boo, boo, boo. Yeah, send all your hate mail in care of the Jeep Talk Show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I almost forgot. I was talking about Wendy, the lovely co-host, not my lovely wife. Although my wife could be the lovely co-host, and the co-host could be my lovely wife. I'm not picky about who does laundry. <laughs> but that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you that I don't suffer from insanity. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, you gotta think on that one. Or not. Alright, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. So I have found that when Nikki G is interesting in interested in probing aliens, he's looked everywhere for his keys. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's where they went. That's it. I can hear a jingling <laughs> every time I go over a bump. I know they got to be there. Every time I bend over to look for them, there you go. <laughs> I love how you guys it, it, at first, especially you, Wendy, were disgusted, and now you're jumping in. Well, of course, <laughs> and helping out <laughs> with the disgusting things. That's progress. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I think it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Now, there are likely several components on your Jeep that you take for granted. Now, I'm sure there are those out there who are so detail-oriented that they are regularly polishing their shock shafts. That's not quite what I'm talking about here. Most of us take it for granted that the Jeep will start when we get in it, and it will run properly. And we'll take it for granted that it will even drive and wheel when we want it to. A lot of things have to be in working order for all that to happen, though, and it's those components we often, too often, rather, take for granted. For instance, when was the last time you checked for lateral or torsional play in your drive lines? Yeah, it's been a little while for me, too. Don't worry, though. Although this is often neglected, a neglected part of, of our Jeeps, it can be scary and intimidating to some. So, I'm going to be here to help you out, simplify things as best as I can, and teach you a process for keeping up on your driveline maintenance and how to check for some problems. Now, it's more than a little important, really, to make sure that your Jeep's driveline is in good working order. This is not only for your own peace of mind, but for your safety and comfort as well. And not to mention the people and the vehicles around you, too. Now, I don't have to tell you how much it sucks to have a wheeling trip or a run to the corner store even completely ruined by a drive shaft failure. This can be from anything from a inconvenient at best to fatal at worst. 
The failure of a drive shaft itself or its U-joints can be caused by one to a combination of factors like maintenance, abuse, damage, poor driveline geometry, or even poor installation or poor quality components. If your Jeep's driveline uh, or drivetrain is stock, well, then likely you face a f if you face a failure, it's going to be because of poor maintenance. I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. It's not entirely your fault, though. Automakers, in an attempt to save a few bucks, rarely have provisions for lubrication of wearable components. Oh, sure, the slip spines may have gr a grease zerk on them, but do the U-joints? Well, likely not, especially if they're OEM. And I doubt that you are taking them out and lubricating them on a regular basis yourself. As for the stock drive shaft itself, well, there's not a lot that can be done other than regular greasing, and that only goes so far. So aside from that, regular visual inspections are key, and we're going to go through just some of the steps that you should be taking to make sure your Jeep's driveline is in good condition. I should make a note here that these steps will apply to either driveline, the front or the rear, so it doesn't really matter which one you start with or which one you're working on. The best way to inspect your Jeep's driveline is to have it on flat, level ground, the Jeep that is, and the transmission and transfer case in neutral. You also want to make sure that the wheels are chocked so the Jeep can't roll away, and you want to have the e-brake engaged as much as possible. This is important because if there is any pressure on the drive shaft, you will not be able to detect the minimal clearances that will be the first signs of a potential problem. Now, once you're under your Jeep, identify the yokes. For each U-joint, there will be two one on the driveline side and one on the axle side. The U-joint lives in between those two opposing yokes. With each of them in hand, try twisting each one in opposite directions. You don't want to try this when your Jeep is hot or you've just driven it. It's going to be pretty warm down there, so make sure your Jeep is cooled off. Now think of trying to wring out a rag right here. That's kind of the action that you're going to be doing. Try to move them back and forth in opposite directions as well. Up, down, left, right. Try to shear the two yokes in opposite directions. What you're trying to, what you're looking for here, rather, in these steps is any amount of play whatsoever that is independent of the U-joint. Any play at all is likely way too much and is a sign of an impending failure. Now, even if you don't feel any play, it doesn't mean that you still can't have a U-joint that is about to seize or fail in some way. When this is the case, you may see rusty oxidation on the U-joint around the bearing cap seals. You may also be able to hear a squeaking noise as the Jeep is driven. That squeak may start out slow and cycle faster as the Jeep speeds up or goes away altogether at speed. Here you'll want to check to make sure that the U-bolts or cap straps are nice and tight. What's holding that U-joint in? Make sure it's tight. Look also to see that the bearing caps have retained a tight fit into their respective yokes. If you see a clean, polished area in the bore of the yoke, any shiny metal at all really, chances are a cap has spun loose and it's moving around. Any signs of a failed seal, rust, Excess player movement or shiny metal at all should be addressed immediately by replacing the U-joint. Now, although the U-joints are a critical component, we can't overlook the drive shaft itself. You're going to want to look for things like a dented tube, missing balance weights, or a bunch of dirt and mud or other crud built up in areas, or anything else that could cause a vibration problem. We need to look at the attaching yokes here, too. There are four total, one, one on each output shaft of the transfer case and one on each differential. Often the nut on these yokes can begin to back off. To tell if this is happening on your own Jeep, you'll be looking to see if the yoke moves independently of the output shaft of the transfer case or the pinion shaft of the differential. Now, I need to put in a word of caution here. There is going to be some room for a misdiagnosis here, but it's not all that common. If you do see play here, yes, it could be the nut backing off, but it could also be a sign of the bearing of bearing wear inside the case or differential. Just to just willy-nilly go and start cranking down on that nut, well, you'll most likely make things worse and accelerate the wear of the bearing if that's indeed what's going on. Now, if you do discover that the yoke is loose, then it might be a good idea to dig a little bit deeper. At that point, I would drain the oil out of the transfer case or the differential that is questionable and inspect the fluids for signs of debris. Any metal chunks of any kind or size is a red flag, but so would be glitter. Any shiny metal substance in the oil is a sign of metal wear, and that's going to mean it's rebuild time. Now, finally, we're going to look at, uh, at the slip yoke. Check the slip yoke and the spline stub for any lateral play. There will likely be some, and that's going to be okay. But if it's moving more than about what the thickness of a business card is, it's about seven to ten thousandths of an inch or so. That's going to be too much. The most accurate way of measuring slip yoke and spline stub lateral play is going to be with a dial indicator. And most likely, you don't have one of these in your toolbox. 
With a dial indicator, you can keep track of this with regular measurements, actually checking it out on periodic time uh, and, and comparing those measurements. A clamping dial indicator with an articulating gooseneck like the one you can get from Harbor Freight for less than 40 bucks? That's plenty good for this sort of thing. Now, obviously, if you are under your Jeep and you see a grease circ and you have a grease gun, use it! Regular lubrication or, or, or greasable components will ensure that they provide you with years of trouble-free use. If you are uncertain about how or where to lube your Jeep, well, talk with a service tech at your local dealer. Surf the YouTubes, or even pop down to a local service center to see if they can't point you in the right direction. Now, I could go on for another 15 minutes or more on how to push grease into U-joints and how to use a grease gun and zerks and all that sort of thing, but I think you're smart enough to figure that part out on your own. Next week, I'll have a quick tip for you that expands a little bit more on drive driveline vibrations as I teach you about proper driveline phasing, what it is, what it means, and how to check your own Jeep for it. In the meantime, however, if you are completely stuck on something, by all means, give us a call on our 24-7 voicemail line or shoot me an email and we'll get it figured out together. I like uh, the dust that comes out, the, the magic dust that comes out of the, uh, the U-joint caps. Oh, God, no. I've, I've, I remember one time, I think it was the first axle U-joint that I had to replace. Uh, the, the axle was, was more or less shot. The U-joint was, it was uh, anyways. And uh, um, this was before I had any kind of a, of a press set up in the garage or anything like that. And uh, my beating on it and everything, my, uh, everything that I had, I could not get it out. And this was... Um, I mean, this was the OEM U-joint in the, in the axle. It had been there for 200,000 miles, and, and it wasn't budging. I had to take it over to a friend's house, and this was like on a Sunday night. You know, this, back then, this was my daily driver. I was going to say, time to oh, go to work no. the next day. Yes, <laughs> of course. That's always you know, I, 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 I think I'd worked on it all day Saturday. I couldn't get, I, you know, got the components out, couldn't get anywhere. Sunday came. I'm, I'm clamoring to find somebody with a press. You know, the, the, the machine shops weren't open. Uh, the auto part shops don't have that sort of thing. Most of the tire shops are closed on Sundays. I, I was SOL. And so, thankfully, uh, there were some folks in the, uh, in the uh, forum that I was, uh, or a club that I was a part of at that time. And, uh, and I had to drive about 45 minutes uh, to have a guy help me out. And so, I took this out there, um, and, uh, and he had to use a 20-ton press to get that thing to release. And when it did, wow. damn near put a hole through the wall of his garage. Uh, wow. So, U-joints can be a pain in the butt. And if you think that you can just pop it out and re just really quickly do a U-joint swap in your driveway in an afternoon or on a lunch break, it's mm -hmm. oftentimes not going to go that easy. Sometimes the driveline ones are easy. Sometimes the uh, axle ones are easy. Sometimes uh, neither one is. So, regardless of where the U-joint is, uh, make sure you give yourself plenty of time uh, to deal with it properly and just know that you may end up having to drive somewhere else to get that you joined out. It's all, it, it, this always happens if you tell somebody, significant other, friend, whatever, oh, it's a U-joint thing. I'll have that in, in and out 30 minutes. <laughs> Never. Right. That's, that's when it takes 30 hours of yeah. work. Yes, yeah. for sure, every <laughs> single time. <laughs> oh, we see what you're thinking there. Let's teach you a lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, if you have anything to add to this topic, there may be something that I've missed. Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Let me know what kind of a tech topic you would like to be covered. This segment of the show is brought to you by Lug Nuts. There's nothing like Lug Nuts to secure a wheel to a Jeep. Get yours now and be sure to ask for genuine Lug brand nuts for your Jeep wheels. That's Lug Nuts. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty, oh boys and girls, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview, and we're going to be interviewing a Jeep Talk Show alum. Can I say alum? Is it alumni? Uh, I, I don't know what about, about anything about words, Isaac, uh, but uh, Isaac's been a listener to the show for some time, and uh, he uh, wanted to be part of the show, one of our guests, so we got him on. Now, Isaac has been hosting Jeep events since 2017, uh, and uh, he started the Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive in 2018 as a place to keep attendee, attendees, yeah, as a place to keep attendees up to date 
and to allow for sharing of pictures from the event. You can keep up with the date uh, with him at Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive on Facebook. Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive. Just go to Facebook before, you know, before Facebook closes. You know, they lost $232 billion yesterday. Um, so Isaac uh, knew he wanted a Jeep when his neighbor moved in with one. So, of course, his first vehicle was red. God bless you. And his <laughs> first car was a Jeep Wrangler. Your first car was a Jeep Wrangler? What's wrong with you? you are you trying to piss me off? You can't call a Jeep a, a car. If you notice, I did put car in quotes. <laughs> well, Isaac, thanks for being on the show. And uh, tell, us, uh, what, tell us a little more about Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive. No, in fact... Tell us a little more about that red Jeep car. So, I actually don't have a red Jeep car. <laughs> <laughs> My first vehicle was a red motorcycle. But I knew you liked the color red, so I had to include that. And then my first regular, you know, vehicle with four wheels was a 95 Jeep Wrangler. Well, you can understand my confusion when it says my first vehicle is red and his first car was a Jeep Wrangler, so no, no, I, I kind of thought they were the same could, thing. You're you're trying to I, you're trying to I had to get that red in there. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the what color was your first uh, Jeep Wrangler? It was that kind of tealish, greenish blue color, a mm-hmm. uh, little metallic-y. Sounds kind of good. Was it? A, was it a good color? I painted over it eventually, but I didn't mind the color. Spray or brush? Spray. <laughs> <laughs> I had a neighbor down the street that painted his car red with a brush. So uh, you can imagine the the hell we gave him. Uh, yeah. had glass packs on that thing, too. So anyway, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was fun. So uh, is that? do you still have that vehicle? I do. It's kind of out of commission probably till next summer, midsummer or so. But I still do have it. Any modifications to it? Uh, well, what year was it? It was a 95. Oh, my goodness. And okay, so it's a YJ. Yes. It was the last year of the YJs. I switched out the front bumper. I actually made my own roof rack for up on top of it. PVC? Uh, no, one-inch <laughs> square tubing. I'm sorry. I'm giving Isaac a bit of a hard time here because he's in the Zoom room. I know him. I talked to him. I, I told myself I wasn't going to give him a hard time. But it's just so, it's just so easy because we're like Jeep Talk Show family. We are. <laughs> Not a club, though, damn it. Um, no, no clubs here. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's really cool. So, did, is that something you had to weld up, or did you do it another way? It was all welded. I actually, I welded up a center console after I learned how to weld. So, I guess that was another modification that I did. Mm-hmm. And then, I think the roof rack was pretty much my second welding project that I did. And I did that, ooh, probably six years ago, seven years ago. So, um, so not including the, the cost of the welder and the supplies that you needed to do that, how much do you think it cost you to build that roof rack? Um, I think it was the low hundreds. It was, it's been a while. All I had to really do was just buy all the square tubing. Mm-hmm. And then, so um, so it wasn't six hundred to a thousand dollars that you buy online and have shipped to you, and you still have to put it together. It was it was just uh, in the hundred dollar range, below two hundred. Yeah. I think is is what you're indicating. Yep. Yeah, I designed it all myself, and I've I've hauled like cheat goods on top of there, and I haven't had any issues with it whatsoever. Now, is the the YJ, uh, does it have the four point, the legendary, I should say, 4.0 in it? Yes, it does. There you go. Have you, how many miles does that thing have on it? I don't know offhand, but I believe it's in like the 180,000. Oh, that's, miles. it's not, it's just being broke in. It, you just barely got it going. Is it automatic or a manual transmission? It's a manual transmission. So that must be the AX15. Yes. Cool. I learned that they stopped using the AX15, I think, in like 99 or something. And uh, unfortunately, the 2001, my uh, uh, and my youngest daughter's Jeep had the uh, uh, NV3550, which you can't get parts for anymore. So we got an AX15 and, and put it in there. So 
Uh, the AX15 seems to be a really good transmission, much uh, much stronger, or at least some somewhat stronger than the NV3550. So that's one of the great things about the YJ. You get the the stronger, uh, better built transmission. In fact, they still make them, so you can still get parts for them when you need it. Yeah, I started teaching my wife how to drive stick shift in there, and my aunt had warned me, "Oh, you got to be careful when you teach someone how to drive stick because they're probably going to wreck your transmission." And well, probably the clutch. I, well, it could have been clutch, but she she just said transmission in general. So right. No, I mean people identify. You know, the the whole thing could be the looking at the whole thing as the transmission, but certainly, uh, you know, feathering that clutch too much. And uh, I I mean I started out with a auto, with a standard transmission, and I was doing all kinds of funky things with that uh, that clutch, feathering it, and you know, getting on a uh, some sort of little incline. And why use the brake? Just use the just use the clutch pedal, <laughs> which yep. is which is not good for the clutch, <laughs> or or the flywheel, or the pressure plate. So pretty much all around a bad idea. Yes, I mean I don't think it hurt the transmission any, but uh, still wear and tear on the clutch. So okay, let's switch gears away from the uh, from the Jeep, unless there's something else the that you wanted to include in there. But I think it's great that you actually build things for the Jeep and save a boatload of money uh, at the yeah. same time. My my plan originally before I met my my beautiful wife, which none of you guys have seen, none of you will ever see. Well, maybe you will. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a rooftop tent for on top of it as well, and then go traveling around the country. But then she came along and changed all my plans. Ah, I was for the better. I was going to I was going to ask when you were going to make this trip around the country. Was she going with you? But now I understand. So let's uh, let's talk about the uh, Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive. What is that? I know you've told us uh, before, like uh, in Zoom or you know uh, one of the meetings and stuff. But uh, let's let's uh, not think that anybody here has ever heard anything about it before. So uh, tell the 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 people that have no idea what that is. All right. So the Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive is a all on road get together where me and a whole bunch of other Jeepers drive through the Kettle Moraine State Forest in Wisconsin, um, either like the southern tip up to the northern tip, or we, we've got about a halfway stopping point where, depending on which drive it is, we take different portions of the trip. But we meet up beforehand, we hang out, we talk, we have fun. I usually have a couple scavenger hunts where I hide between two and three smaller toy Jeeps out in the forest someplace. And then everybody goes running after them and tries to find them. First couple people to find them, bring them back to me, get prizes. And then we go drive in. We usually stop for a picnic lunch someplace, we'll do another scavenger hunt there. All around, just a great time. Everyone hanging out and chit-chatting and enjoying the weather and the, the forest. So really, it's open to anybody. Uh, that uh, Is it just Jeeps or can anybody just show up with any, any vehicle? So the the benefit of how I do it is because it is all on pavement, it's all on public access roads. If anybody wants to show up in a non-Jeep vehicle, there's nothing that I can do theoretically to stop them. So they can join us. But what I always tell them when they ask me on Facebook is I can't stop all of the other attendees from giving you a hard time for not being here in a Jeep. (laughs) I can't stop you, but you're you're kind of welcome anyway. <laughs> you're, you're welcome anyways because it's just all on the roads. You can tag along behind us. But if anyone gives you a hard time about not having a Jeep, I mean, there's nothing I'm going to do about that either. Yeah, yeah, it's understandable. So, do you guys do you guys stay in communication? Like, like if you were on a trail run, do you guys stay in communication with radios, or how does that work? Or do you just go someplace and park and and then talk that way? So we do use GMRS radios. Um, I actually just purchased our first set last year. Uh, well, it would have been last year. Um, I don't, I don't charge for the drives, so I don't charge for the signs that I give away as prizes. Although I do sell the signs by themselves, um, but I I sell the signs to make money for the radios that we're using. So I know we've talked about them before. The the Retivus? Or Retivus? Retivus, I think, is, where, is what I go with, but you know how I pronounce okay. things. Okay. <laughs> so I had sold uh, 
five signs last year, um, earlier on in the spring, and I used that money to buy a five pack of radios for that. So that when we're out on the roads, I can communicate with the people in the middle of the group, people at the end of the group, just to try and keep us all together. And then there's a couple people who already own GMRS radios, so they just take right along and can join in with us and talk to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was the the one that I recommended, the RB26. Is that right? Yes, it was. Okay. So, uh, do you have to do any programming on those things? I, I don't know if you if you found this out too, but they those things come with uh, the uh, the subaudible tones set on. And if you try to use it with another GMRS radio that doesn't have the right tone on transmit, you'll never hear them on those RB26s. So I found, and I, f- I forgot it, between buying one and then, you know, six months later buying another one, I had to go in and, and figure out why it wasn't working. Uh, and I went, oh, that's right, I forgot. i got to remove all this uh, receive side uh, subaudible tones. It would, you know, the squelch would even, you couldn't even hear anything, any static on it because the it needed that tone. I haven't noticed anything. I mean, you can talk between the RB26s, but if you if you use a uh, a radio that doesn't have that tone in uh, on the channel by default, you won't you'll never hear it. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm glad you haven't experienced that. I was just going to warn you in case you get into that and go, well, it, it was working. I can talk to this other one, but I can't talk to you know the Midland or actually no, I did have that has issue. Yeah. Um, with a, the Motorola FRS GMRS combo mm-hmm. that it wouldn't come. I think, yeah, you could hear it on the Motorola, but then you couldn't hear the Motorola. Yep. Uh, for some strange reason, they come pre-programmed with, uh, sub-audible tones, uh, set for the receiver. And unless you got that tone, you're not ever going to hear anybody on it. Uh, the privacy oh. channel, they like to call it, which it isn't private. Um, but it is a channel. All right. Well, anyway, uh, so I don't know if we mentioned it or not, or if you mentioned it, the uh, Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive is in Wisconsin. Yeah, I had mentioned that, but okay, that's good. fine. <laughs> I want to make, make sure because people people get interested and they go, where the, where the hell is this? Am I, am I yep. anywhere close to it? I, I've never heard of Kettle Moraine before, but, uh, you know, maybe I'm close to it. So Wisconsin. Is the cheese better there? That's what they say. I've never, well, <laughs> I shouldn't say I've never had cheese anywhere else, but. By and large, all of the cheese that I eat is from here. Yeah, I just so, I, I'd nothing to, to compare it to. I'd go to Wisconsin just for the cheese, um, just to try it. Uh, so anyway, so uh, was there anything more that you wanted to tell us about the uh, the Jeep drive? So we do the first day of spring, first day of summer. Usually, do another drive about halfway through summer. And then the third Saturday in October. Those are my drives that I do. Mm-hmm. Then I usually will pair up with Extreme Terrain and we'll do their Jeep Go Topless Day. Uh-huh. And I'll host event through the Kettle Moraine on that as well. All right. So Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive uh, now has the, uh, the, <laughs> the issue that we've had as far as staying home. Has that put a damper on these events? It did stop our spring one, but we just kind of postponed it. We didn't just not do it. I did a couple of events on Facebook, or not events, a couple of activities mm-hmm. on Facebook uh, when the event was supposed to be taking place. And then those people, I made a sign for them, and then they were able to pick it up later on. Um so tell me a little more about these signs uh, that, that you make. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen any pictures uh, online about these, so could you describe them for myself and the audience? Sure. They are about 12 inches wide. I make all of them on either reclaimed pallet boards or wood that I get free from various different factories that get material in from their like custom pallets. I'll get the wood from them so that I don't have to pay for it. And then they look, they have a more rustic look to them. And then me and my wife go crazy thinking of different sayings to put on them. You know, don't follow me. You will get stuck. Um, If you can read this, flip me over. All those popular Jeep sayings. And I either laser etch or CNC the different text and then little pictures onto the signs. Very nice. 
So without getting too far off in the minutia, because I, I find this interesting, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you using for the laser etch and the CNC? Is it the same machine that you can do both things on, or do you have two machines? It is two separate machines. So the, the CNC I own, that's at my house. That's the one that it's, I can only do a 12-inch by 12-inch little square on that. The laser machine is at a wood shop that I have access to, and that machine can go up to 32 inches wide. So on some of the signs that we've done in the first couple of batches, we would take basically a giant piece of masking tape, put it over the entire board, cut into it with the laser, peel off certain areas of the tape, spray paint it, and then peel off the rest of the tape and basically have it like a giant stencil. Very cool. So, w w which one do you like best? Is it the laser or the CNC? Because I would be, I would be really uh, torn between which one to go with first. Because there's there's advantages and disadvantages to both. There definitely are. The lasers you can get really, really accurate and tight corners with when you're cutting, but you're limited to, especially if you're cutting through, you're limited to how thick your material is and how dense it is. On the CNC, you can cut into, you know, as long as your router bit is long enough, you can cut through an inch piece of wood or inch and a half piece of wood. You just go over it multiple times. Now, your router bit is usually going to be a quarter inch or an eighth inch wide, whereas the laser beam is, you know, just a fraction of a hair wide. So it all depends on what you're doing. I could see how it makes making signs a lot of really fun. What software do you use whenever you're designing? I use a combination of Corel and VCarve. Well, I, I seem to th I seem to remember you saying something about a little giveaway that you wanted to do for our our listeners. Yes, the signs that I make, I I give them away. I always do a scavenger hunt on all of my my Jeep drives, and I thought it would be a fun thing to not have a drive, but for this podcast, give away a radio or give away a sign as well. Oh, that's great. So this is some of the custom wood, wooden signs you're talking about. That would, would it be a laser or a CNC, or it just depends? It would depend on what the winner would want. So oh, so this is a custom thing. This is going to be a custom thing, yes. So for the Jeep drives, I usually make, I don't know, about 15 to 20 different signs that I'll bring along with me. We'll lay them out on a picnic table, and then the people can pick what they want. Mm -hmm. Well, I have pictures of all of those signs that I've made. So if you go to facebook.com slash Kettle Marine Jeep Drive, the first post that you're going to see is going to be a large collection of all the signs that I've made. And if you're the winner, you can go through that list of pictures that I've got, find the one that you like, and then I will do one, one customization on it. So if you find one that you like, but it's got a YJ on it and you really have, you know, you've got a TJ or you got a JK or a Gladiator or whatever, you let me know, hey, I like this sign, so I'll get a hold of you. And then you show me the sign that you like and then just say, hey, instead of this, I want this and I'll go change it up for you. I'll send you a picture so that we know that, you know, that's what you want. And then I'll go make the sign and send it over to you. So, depending on which sign you pick will vary as to if I use the laser or if I use the CNC. So, does it need to be family-friendly? I mean, at three, he, he really can't read words yet. <laughs> I would definitely prefer it be family-friendly. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, also, too, what if uh, what's missing on the sign is a nice Jeep Talk Show logo? I was actually going to make a Jeep Talk Show badge on the CNC because uh -huh. I think that would look really cool. Yep. I've done like some people's names and things like that. And I just haven't gotten around to putting the time into downloading the Jeep talk show logo and so CNCing it out. Do you use uh, SGV files? Yes. All right. Well, I've got an SVG I can, I can shoot over to you so you don't have to uh, mess around with any of that stuff. And uh, if there's a problem with it, then you can still, you know, uh, uh, convert it on your own so I, but i think i haven't done a lot of uh, vector uh, graphics but i think it was uh, it was good enough to work on the uh, the the 3d printer that i got so maybe it'll be good enough for uh, your cnc or a laser printer yeah if it's if it's working on the the 3d printer that should be a good vector drawing for 
using with the CNC or the, or the laser. So the I, laser is a little more forgiving because you can get that finer detail into oh, it. Oh, yeah, very true. So I can hear the listeners screaming, get back to the giveaway, damn it. So <laughs> <laughs> on this uh, custom-made wooden sign, which is going to be a fairly substantial uh, size sign, and again, you can go over to the Facebook uh, page, Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive, and uh, have a look at some of the signs that uh, Isaac has made. Uh, so you know how we have to make people work for this thing. So you listeners, you, the old listeners know, uh, we're going to have to ask Isaac to pick a number uh, in, for the, what caller you have to be when you call into our voicemail line. So Isaac, what number caller do they have to be? So the number that I decided on is number five. Number and, five. And that's because I do four Jeep drives and then I host an Extreme Terrain Go Topless Day event, which makes five events a year. So is this the same number of kids you're planning on having as five? Um, we're working <laughs> on it. <laughs> as soon as I get done with this interview, I'll uh I'll still ask the wife. So the other thing that we have to do, again, making them work for it, they have to be caller number five, and we need a phrase that pays, that, that they have to say exactly. So what would be a good phrase for them to utter on the, uh, on the voicemail? So unlike some of the other interviewees who you've had who just can't think of one, I listen into the show. <laughs> and I'm in the Zoom room, so I got this up here. So I thought in advance and what I think this would make a good phrase for people to say. Let's meet up and take the scenic drive. So caller number five. Yeah, great. That's caller number five on our voicemail line. You just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and you can get all the information there. And one of the pieces of information is our, our number for the voicemail line. Isaac's called into it before, so he knows how that works. And the the phrase that pays, the thing you must say exactly, is let's meet up and take the scenic drive. I got that right, uh, Isaac? Does that sound right to yes, you? Yes, you did. All right, good. So uh, all you got to do, and then you're going to get a custom-made wooden sign and with uh, one little change of your choosing on it. And you can go over to Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive on Facebook and have a look at some of the signs that Isaac has made in the past. That is correct. All right, Isaac. You know how the kids love the social media these days. Where can the people find you? Is it just on the, this one Facebook place, or do you have the Instagram? Do you have some other thing, other places people can see, whether it's personally or for the, the Jeep Drive events? It is just going to be the Facebook page. Again, I don't charge for my drive, so everything that I do comes out of my pocket. And so I'm not going to spend money on hosting a website for the events when it's just me spending money to hang out with people. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> so as of right now, Facebook is free. So I will use Facebook. I'll have all my events up on there. Then people can post their pictures. I can post my pictures. And, and is it a page or a group or and is it private, public? How, how does that work? It is a public page. So anybody, once you search for Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive, can find it right now. The The logo is a little, it's called the Green Acorn that says Kettle Moraine Scenic Drive. And then overlaid on top of that is the Jeep Grill. And that's kind of my, my Kettle Moraine Jeep Drive logo right now. And you can just go to that page and then just hit like the page, follow it. And every time I post about my events... You'll go get that posted to your newsfeed. Cool beans. And if you want to be part of this drive, this would be the same place you go to to find out when it's going to happen. Uh, do you set up an event where people can, uh, you know, uh, say they're going or can people just show up because they know where, where, where it's going to start and just, just show up that day? How do you how do you handle that? So I do create an event for each of the, the meetups that I do. And actually, this is a topic that I wanted to talk about, too. Um, so I do that and then people can say that they're coming and I can then see and have an idea as to how many people should be showing up for my fall event. I go a step above and try and bribe people to come to my event. <laughs> and so I make these little keychains 
that have the year that the event is. Usually says either fall color drive or kettle marine jeep drive. And I go make those for all of the attendees. So I've been making these for a couple of years now. And they are crazy popular. I usually give them out. I won't say when I give them out because then you just come to that stop. <laughs> I give them out somewhere along the line during the event. Yeah, could you go over and, the bribe part again? Uh, that's the one I want to know about. <laughs> um, and so originally what I had done was I posted a poll up in Facebook and everyone who marked that they were attending could list what Jeep they were going to be bringing and I went through way too much work and found either a cartoon version of that or drew out the graphic for that Jeep. So on our fall drives, I would make these little keychains for everybody. And I won't tell you which stop I give them out on so that you actually <laughs> have to show up for the whole event to get it. There you go. And every year it's been a different keychain, but they've always had the same basic idea. And on the first year that I did it, I put up a little poll that everyone could fill out what type of Jeep they had. I then found a black and white image of that Jeep or a drawing of it. And I etched on the lasers what everybody said that they were bringing, that they could all have custom keychains. And about half of the people never showed up. And I had all these keychains that I had no use for because right. it was for a, uh, a past event. Yeah. So in the years following that, I've just done either Wranglers or generic Jeep. And so I only have to make two keychains or two styles of keychains instead of a dozen different styles. And that's worked out much better. On my last fall event, I had 50 keychains made and I got rid of all of them. Oh, so we, wow. had, we had 50 people getting keychains and I still had more people who wanted them and I didn't have keychains available for them. So we had more than 50 people. I've done uh, food donations for Hunger Task Force at all of our events. And at that fall event, we had over 300 non-perishable food items that had been donated. Wow, that's great. So they pretty much overflowed my Jeep, <laughs> <laughs> which was amazing. Yeah, well, very much so. It, it, it's great just to have people show up. It just, it's a great feeling. Uh, it's like, yeah. you know, you heard me talking about the Jeep talk show event, uh, September event 2021. I was so scared that nobody was going to be there. I was going to I was going to be joshed. And uh, <laughs> it turned out we had uh, quite a few people attend. And, uh, of course, it's great to have uh, have a listener to the to the show. So it's wonderful when people want to participate in something that you're putting together. And it's yeah. it's neat when you make something and people want it. So mm -hmm. I, I, I know the feeling there. It's it's great, and it's uh, it's great that you're helping out uh, feed the the hungry people out there. Well, Isaac, I want to thank you very much for being with us uh, here and doing this interview and uh, some some good stuff and uh, doing some good stuff with the community. And uh, a, a Jeeper is doing that for the community is well, that's kind of what Jeepers do. And I think it's just great that you're you're doing that and uh, having a good time with uh, some of the the I would say the more exciting. Uh, manly even uh, uh, crafting tools <laughs> mm -hmm. lasers that burn wood and cut it <laughs> all right man well thanks a lot for being with us tonight well thanks for having me we got to give isaac a big thanks a lot of love not only for showing up in the zoom room so often but taking the time to sit down and do an interview with us and really for taking that much time to sit with tony let go of so much tony for so very long now i just i just wish tony would have asked him more about his dinosaurs Hey, do you have an idea for a guest? Do you work in the off-road industry or know somebody who does? Maybe you yourself would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. No, I know. It kind of sounds all scary and intimidating and stuff. And why would anybody want to talk to you or hear your Jeep story? Well, trust me. Some of our best interviews have been with everyday Jeepers just like you. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. It could be you. So yep. coming up next week, Peak Acton. Did I say Peak Pete Acton, yeah. <laughs> that's the one I wasn't worried about. <laughs> Coming up next week, Peak Acton from thegearspot.com. I'm just going with it. Hey, Jeeper, don't forget about the Jeep Talk Show newsletter. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. I know we caught we throw that link out there all too often, but really that's your one-stop shop for pretty much any way you want to engage with the show. 
jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You're going to find a link to click and sign up for our newsletter, and it's full of all kinds of stuff about what's happening here on the show. Upcoming interviews, upcoming giveaways, even some inside info about what's happening and what's going on. And don't worry, we don't spam you. We don't sell your information, nothing like that. You get one email a week from the Jeep Talk Show, and it's really invaluable. Don't worry, it's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. So hit that link right now and sign up for our newsletter. That's all the Jeep Talk Show we got for you this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to use that hashtag Jeep Talk Show in all your social media posts. No, really, let's see how much activity we can generate together. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. We do not like your mental haze. We do not like your leftist ways. We do not like your sun on blow. We do not like you, Mr. Joe. Casting since 2010.